With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Takes a shot. Here's Corey Davis, wide open. Davis. Still going, and he's in for the touchdown. Hill hit immediately when he got the handoff. And it's the q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And I'm happy to have back a return guest for our series Outside Looking In. We're taking a look at the Jets, what they've done in the offseason, expectations, and the current roster through the eyes of somebody who closely follows the opposing teams in the division. You already heard from my friend Drew Gear, who covers the Buffalo Bills for the Rock Pile Report. And now, Brian No, the host of the aptly named Brian No show for NBC Sports Northwest and Rip City Radio 620 out in Portland. Brian, of course, a huge Miami Dolphins fan, so he's here to talk about the Dolphins. Brian, thanks so much for coming back on the show, sir. Yeah, good to be with you, Scotty. How are you doing? I'm good. It's hot as hell here, but I'm good other than that. I'm just looking forward to some football. I'll be honest with you, and I said this to my friend Andy Vasquez, who covers the Jets for NorthJersey.com. I do not envy him having to be out there and cover these OTAs and later on in July training camp when I know that they're going to have six gallons of water out there having to follow around the team. But one guy that I know is used to such conditions and is built for it is Robert Sala. Tremendous shape, but that's not why we're so incredibly optimistic about him as a head coach here he seems to have all the makings of what you'd want in a head coach and you look at some of the guys that the Jets have had previously Adam Gase you knew him well even before he got here he flopped for obvious reasons you have Todd Bowles did really well as a defensive coordinator especially last year with the Bucks. but here with the Jets it has a head coach didn't really do so well and we could go down the line with all the other guys Rex Ryan of course But when you look at Salah, on paper at least, he looks like he's a prime candidate for success. As a Dolphins guy, what did you think about the hire? I like the hire. He had success, obviously, with San Francisco. His players love him. I also think that to be optimistic as a Jets fan, I would look at what the Niners did defensively last year. And that was a tough season. You come off of a Super Bowl appearance, and then the Niners are just ravaged with injuries. And they're still playing hard. And that says a lot. That says a lot about the players for being professional, but it also says a lot about the coaching staff getting the most out of them when they easily, they had more than enough incentive to be tempted to think, ah, it's not our season. It's not in the cards. Jimmy G's out. Kittle's out. Sherman's out. The list goes on and on. Bose is out. And they still battled. So 
it's not exactly a who's who roster just yet with the Jets, with the number two overall pick. Did a lot of losing last season, mm-hmm. so he's got his work cut out for him. But one of the things that would make me very optimistic immediately if I'm a Jets fan is the Niners were able to battle and the coaching staff got everything out of the players when they had more than enough incentive to just pack it in and one, two, three Cancun. They didn't do that. So that would make me optimistic as a Jets fan right away. Did you like him bringing Mike LaFleur with him, who I assume is going to bring elements of that Shanahan style offense that was run in San Francisco and even elements of the offense that his brother runs in Green Bay? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm fine with it. I don't have any issue with it. It's one of these deals where his brother has had a lot of success, obviously, with the Packers. But I'm always – I don't want to say skeptical. It's just I give it a little bit of time, you know, because I do wonder, look at his brother Lafleur. What did he do with Tennessee? Nothing, right? Like, so he's been great with the Packers. Is there's that that guy that wore number twelve named Aaron <laughs> Rodgers? Does he have a lot to do with that success? Yeah. So it's one of these deals. Hey, Mike Lafleur might be very successful. It's possible, but just because his name is Lafleur and you know he's got ties to the other Lafleur who's had a lot of success with one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the game, Aaron Rodgers. I'm just. I'll arrive late to the party if Mike LaFleur turns out to be awesome. I just, I need to see a little bit more before I completely buy in just because of the name recognition alone. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. How about free agency? The Jets didn't go too crazy. They had a lot of money to spend, and they did spend some of it. Finally got themselves a pass rusher in Carl Lawson. That was the shiniest new toy along with Corey Davis, who they brought in, the wide receiver from Tennessee. Did you like what they did there in free agency? It was fine. There's nothing, no big splashes. Corey Davis is okay. I know he had almost 1,000 yards receiving last year. That was his breakout season. That's You're not looking for that out of a fifth overall pick for his breakout season to be almost 1,000 yards receiving-wise. He's been a disappointment. He's... An okay number two. I don't have a big problem with it. Carl Lawson, that improves your pass rush, but nothing to really write home about. Nothing stands out to me as far as free agency goes and the moves the Jets made. Talking about the draft, you mentioned that they had the number two overall pick. Teams that are good don't get the number two overall pick unless, of course, they trade up 
like the San Francisco 49ers did. Not that they were great this year, but the point is, if you have the number two pick and you didn't trade up for it, you're a bad team. So they had a lot of work to do. They started with free agency and then the draft. They went out, they got Zach Wilson with the number two overall pick, the quarterback out of BYU. Then they moved up for Elijah Vera Tucker, who's in your neck of the woods, Pac-12 country, played at USC, played some tackle, played some guard. Then they got Elijah Moore from Ole Miss, the wide receiver, and of course, Michael Carter, the running back from North Carolina. And a bunch of picks in the later rounds that are a little less well-known. Hamza Nasraldine is probably the best known of them. Might have been a first or second round pick if he hadn't torn his ACL back in 2019. But Brian, I want to know what you thought about the draft overall. First of all, would you have taken Wilson? Would you have gone with somebody like Justin Fields? Would you have avoided the quarterback altogether at number two? Did you like the move up to number 14 for Elijah Vera Tucker? What would you think of everything? As far as Zach Wilson goes, I understand why they did it. I wouldn't have myself. I would have gone in a different direction, uh, either Trey Lance or Justin Fields myself. Justin Fields, I can't believe he fell as much as he did. He'd be in the conversation of being a number one overall pick in a lot of years. So for him to fall to 11th overall is crazy to me. It's just funny. I think, Scotty, we get used to our mock drafts, and we get used to thinking of the draft a certain way, where if you do something different, it's almost seen as radical. Where if you go back to the Mitch Trubisky draft, if the Bears had drafted Patrick Mahomes, number two or number three, let's say they stayed there at number three and they didn't move up that one spot. Either way, if they drafted Mahomes with the second or third pick, people would have freaked out because it would have been dramatically different than what the mock drafts kept on stating and it would have turned out to be the right move right so I think that sometimes we just get in this way of thinking that hey I see these mock drafts Trevor Lawrence number one Zach Wilson number two maybe Trey Lance number three and something aside from that is seen as radical and just dead wrong so it's a long way of explaining although Zach Wilson was mocked to go where he did virtually everywhere you looked we could three years from now, look back and be like, man, they screwed it up. They should have gone with Trey Lance or somebody else. I really do think that's what we will be saying. I'll eat my words if I'm wrong. I just don't believe in Zach Wilson. And to me, as a Dolphins fan, when I'm looking at the Jets and I'm looking at what scares me, if they somehow got uh, Trevor Lawrence and they ended up with the number one overall pick, that worries me. Trevor Lawrence is a stud. If they go with a guy like Justin Fields or Trey Lance, I'm more worried than I am with Zach Wilson. And time will tell if that gut feeling is right or not. But you go with Zach, they're going to go as he goes. And I will say this, and I know you would agree with this, at least they're surrounding him with a lot more than what they did with Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold might just be a guy. I think it was partially on him. I think it was partially on the lack of talent around him. But... With Zach Wilson, you're at least surrounding him with more, and you're giving him a better chance to be successful. So I would like that as a Jets fan. I'm just skeptical that Zach Wilson is actually the real deal. They didn't play any real competition. He's a Johnny-come-lately. He had a breakout season. He's not a a sturdy dude. He's not built to take hits upon hits. I'm just not convinced he's going to work out long-term, but time will tell if that's correct or not. 
I assume that the mentality that you just talked about, which is surrounding Zach Wilson with talent, played into Joe Douglas's decision to trade up to number 14 to grab Elijah Vera Tucker. There were a lot of people in the statistical community, the analytics guys, who didn't like the move. They said that they gave up too much and that he's a guard and that he basically has to be a Hall of Fame caliber guard to justify giving up the picks that they did. I didn't think it was that bad at all. They gave up two third rounders to move up. They got a fourth rounder back. So basically they gave up one third and flipped a third for a fourth in order to move from 23 to 14. But to me, as you said, Brian, if you want to put your young quarterback in the best possible position to succeed, you got to go get him elite weapons around him or elite protection. And if they feel that Elijah Vera Tucker can be part of that elite protection, then it's worth it, right? Well, I, in my mind, it's twofold. It's how good is Vera Tucker in the NFL? Mm. That's part of it. And then the other part is, well, what did you give up to get him? The most important part is, does the guy pan out? If he does and he's a real asset and you can just plug and play, you don't have to worry about the guard spot whatsoever, then okay, great. So it's a matter of, does this guy hit the ground running? Is he a legitimate player for the Jets for the next five, 10 years, however long he's there? Um, And then I also do, I look at the compensation. That is, it's a heavy price tag. There are a lot of third round picks who pan out and make big contributions. So this guy, for your guy's sake, he better be the real deal because that's a heavy price tag, and that's obviously a double whammy if you pay a high price tag and it doesn't work out at all. You don't want to go to Best Buy and buy this really expensive TV, plug it in, and it doesn't work at all. That's way worse than going the cheap route. So it's all about Vera Tucker, does he pan out, but it's still an expensive price tag. doesn't seem as bad if he's the real deal, but it's even worse if he isn't. Let's go back to Sam Darnold. We touched on him a little bit, but I was curious. What do you think? Would you have kept him, tried to surround him with weapons with those picks and move forward with him, still only 24 years old? Or do you think the Jets made the right move moving on from him, regardless of which quarterback they decided they wanted? Was it the smart move to move on from Darnold, or would you have kept him and tried to have another go with him with a fresh coaching staff and perhaps better weapons around him? Yeah, I prefer just moving on. I think that this isn't just on the supporting cast, which was very, very weak and impacted Darnold's production. This was also on Darnold. Let's not give him every excuse in the book. It's crazy where it's just the the national talking points. What you commonly hear is, it's not on Sam. It's everybody but Sam. You watch all these games, you know it's partially on Sam also. Mm-hmm. So I have no problem with the Jets moving on. It's a brand new coaching regime. Why not? I mean, what are the chances that Sam Darnold goes to Carolina and is just a beast? I don't think they're great. So I think it makes sense to move in a different direction, just get something for Sam, which is what they did, and move it along because even if you put – better talent around Sam Darnold, that's going to give him a better chance if he was still with the Jets. But I just, I don't believe that he would have been a legitimate franchise quarterback difference maker going forward for the Jets. I just don't see him starting that slowly. And then all of a sudden the light bulb coming on and he goes from seeing ghosts to what? He's a top five guy. I just don't see that at all. I will say it's pretty tempting 
to think of, hey, if you don't use that second overall pick on Zach Wilson and you're sticking with Sam, well, what happens if you get you know, the tight end from Florida? And, hey, all of a sudden, Kyle Pitts, that's a major weapon for Sam Darnold. Are the Jets better short-term with Zach Wilson, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, or are they better with Sam Darnold, Elijah Moore, Kyle Pitts? <laughs> like they might be better off short term with Sam, but I think long term it just made more sense to move on. I think you have more of a sense with where Sam Darnold is projected to go in his NFL career than you do with Zach Wilson. I don't believe it in the guy, but it wouldn't shock me at all if he turns out to be the real deal. It would shock me if Sam Darnold does. And the other part of the equation, of course, Brian, as you know, is the rookie contract. That's what you get with Zach Wilson or whoever else you draft. You get him cheap for five years as opposed to Darnold, who's coming up at the end of that contract now. And so you kind of have that fork in the road where you've got to decide if you want to pay him or you want to move on. So they decided to strike a year early rather than wait perhaps a year too late because if they bring Darnold back next year and he's no good, they wasted the opportunity to replace him with the number two overall pick. So all of that has to go into consideration. Plus, as you said, new coaching staff and everything, chance to have their own guy mold him from scratch. And that is obviously what they ended up deciding to do. And the guy who was the ultimate decision maker here was Joe Douglas, the general manager. He's now been here a couple of years. What do you think of the job that he's done so far? Do you think that the Jets are moving in the right direction generally? Well, it is. It's very hard to be picking that highly and get worse, you know? (laughs) So (laughs) I I think that they've gotten better, but you'd have to be a complete moron not to improve when you're picking that high. So, yeah, I think that this team is improving. I think it's really interesting that he went so offensive heavy at the top of the draft and he's got a defensive minded head coach. So one of two things, either Sala got overruled or Robert Sala has a team first mentality. And he went along with, Hey, this is going to be best for the team, even though it's not best for the defense. We've got just day three picks defensively. That's it. You get, you know, three DBs, You know, you get a couple of linebackers in the fifth and sixth rounds. You get a D lineman in the sixth. Like everything else, the premium picks, all offense. Zach Wilson, Vera Tucker in the first round, Elijah Moore in the second round, Michael Carter in the fourth round. All those top four rounds were offensive guys. So it was clear that Joe Douglas looked at the offense before anything else. And it did did strike me as, oh, hmm, okay. Kind of interesting he would go in that direction when he has such a defensive-minded head coach in Robert Sala. But you know as well as I do, that offense needed a lot of work, and they put a lot into trying to make it much, much better than it was. No question. I think, as you said, the lesson that they had to have learned from the last time is that you can't just pick a guy, plug him in, and hope that he turns out to be awesome. You've got to surround him with talent and put him in the best possible position to succeed. Zach Wilson may or may not be the guy that finally breaks this Jets quarterback curse. You seem to believe he won't be. I think he will. 
But if it's going to happen, you maximize the chances of it happening by surrounding him with the talent that he needs. And I think that they're doing the best that they can in that regard. Whereas with Darnold, that was not the approach that was taken. And as you said, we will never know for sure how much of it was Darnold and how much of it was the team. Clearly, it's a little bit of both. How much is on the team? That's one of those Heisinger uncertainty principle type of things that we're never going to be able to answer for sure. But we do know that his chances would have been much higher if they had given him more to work with. Now he moves on to Carolina and we'll see what happens in his fourth year. But Brian, I want to ask you, as somebody who's a Dolphins fan, so you're looking at the Jets with interest because they're the enemy to you. When you look at them, what are your expectations of them for this year? What do you think their record might be? You don't have to give me an exact win total, but just a general vicinity. And where do you think they stack up within the division now, the AFC East? Well, I still think they're trash. I mean, obviously, uh, <laughs> I don't I don't want to talk uh, complete trash on your podcast, but I'll give you the honesty. I, I think this is still uh, in a, a roster that has a lot of holes. It's a work in progress. You can't expect expect a rookie quarterback to just light it up. I was it can happen. Justin Herbert was tremendous last year, and I did not see that coming at all. So there are surprises. But Zach Wilson, I could see him having much more of, say, a Tua Tungavailoa type rookie season where, yeah, you see some glimpses, you see some good play, but you also see, eh, he's a rookie and he's got a lot of work to do to get comfortable and to actually thrive. So I think this Jets team off of two wins last season, they win a couple more games. I see them being maybe a five-win team, something like that. If they got to six wins, if they're 6-11, and 11, it's pretty decent. You know, uh, I don't think it's the easiest schedule either. AFC South is, it's a big, it's a mixture, right? I think both divisions that they play is a mixture. The top heavy teams, the AFC South with the Titans and the Colts, those are two pretty good teams. The bottom with the Texans and the Jags, that's like eh, advantage Jets right there, right? And the NFC South, they also play that division. Tampa is obviously going to be tough. The Saints are still going to be good. And then you look at the bottom where the Falcons, ah, they're, they're good for, you know, hovering around 500. The Panthers are a work in progress. So I, I just see them, I, you go as your quarterback goes largely in the NFL. And I just, I don't buy Zach Wilson to begin with. They didn't play anything close to a who's who last year. They're playing the San Diego States and the Western Kentuckys and the Texas States of the world. I just don't buy it. So I'll be proven wrong if he turns out to be a good pro. I will be floored if this dude is legit as a rookie. I just don't see it. I see it being struggles left and right in 2021 for Zach Wilson. There you go. All the optimism around the Jets. Brian No is not buying it. Not for one second, but that's why I wanted to have him on because as I always say, we want to look outside the Jets fan bubble and get other perspectives. Somebody who's outside looking in and in this case, somebody who is looking in from a Miami Dolphins perspective. Brian No, the host of the Brian No Show on 620 Rip City Radio and NBC Sports Northwest. Thanks so much for coming back on the show. As always, appreciate it, and we're going to have to do this again once the Jets and Dolphins square off during the season. For anybody that wants to check out your daily show, they can stream it live online, right? Well, you can stream it. I know on the iHeartRadio app, 
if you searched for Rip City Radio, it would pop up. And so East Coast time, I'm on from noon until three. So if they want to hear me Monday through Friday, they could do it that way. Brian, I've told you this before. One thing that I really like about your show is that a lot of times with local sports talk radio, it's just the same topic beaten to death for three or four hours over the course of a day. You move on to a variety of different topics throughout the show. Keep it fresh so that it doesn't get boring and repetitive. And I respect that as somebody who did radio for a really long time. So I like the fact that you do that. And I highly recommend people listening to your show. The other thing is, as you can tell, Brian is a huge football guy. So if you're listening to this show, you obviously are too. So Brian's got himself a great show to listen to throughout the midday here on the East Coast if you want to check it out. And if you want to check out our Jets coverage, you can do it at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. We've got film breakdowns. Luke Grant has one of both of the Michael Carters, Michael Carter and Michael Carter II, Elijah Moore, Zach Wilson, and a whole bunch more, plus Kayla Pace's video commentaries, Pace's playbook. And if you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. Play Like a Jet.